Welcome to the Ice Talks, where we implement change every day. Hey, how you doing? Harold S. Reed Jr. here, also known as HRJR, your motivational coach. As always, if you don't know what motivation means, motive plus action equals results, and results equals success. Welcome to another episode of the Ice Talks. I apologize for missing a week, but I had to go away for a while and I wasn't able to broadcast or a podcast, whatever. So I'm back now and I got some new information for you. Um, well, new topic to talk about uh, for the most part. Um, let me ask you a question. Do you think you have what it takes to become unhirable? Do you have what it takes to become unfireable? Now, let me answer those questions in the reverse order from which they were asked. All right. Some people love their jobs. And that's a beautiful thing. If you, the Confucius said, if you find the work that you love, you'll never work another day in your life. And that's, that's the God's honest truth. All right. But if you don't love your job, you can't find fulfillment. You can't find appreciation in what it is that you do. And if you are just a cog in the wheel, if you're just another uh, spoke in the wheel, another uh, button on the machine, if you will, um, you might not last long at that job. The way you're going to succeed at your job, if you choose to keep your job, is for you to become an asset on your job. When you become an asset on your job, you become what's called unfireable. They'd be foolish to fire. First of all, if you're an asset, there's no way they're going to fire you because you're doing good work for the company. You're doing good work for the business. Okay. But what also happens is they don't want to let you go. So if you're working hard enough and, and you're proving yourself to be enough of an asset, then there's no way they're going to let you go. They won't even let, you know, they, they'll keep you happy in order to keep you there so that you don't go to the competition and do for them what you do, do for the competition, what you're doing for them, your current employer, right? So what you want to do is you want to put in all the work that's required to become unfireable, all right? Show up early, stay late on occasion. I'm not saying devote your whole life to this business. I'm not saying devote your whole life to this job. I would never say that, all right? Because at the end of the day, you're still trading your hours, your life hours for their work dollars. That's what you're doing. And I would never say trade one for the other, trade, you know, or or, or sacrifice one for the other. But if you're going to be there, be the best that you can be while you're there. Learn everything that you can. Learn stuff that's not even under your purview. And then become a mentor. Become someone, become the go-to person. Become the problem solver. All right? The problem solvers are the people who always have a job. The people who could see a problem before a problem becomes a problem are the people who will always have a job. Right. Become that person. Become that problem solver. Become that mentor. Become the person that everybody knows they can go to. Right. And then even when it comes to your position and I get this lesson from John C. Maxwell, the most 
uh, forthright authority on leadership in America. All right. Uh, he, he teaches that when you're in your position, your job is in addition to whatever that, that actual job is, but your goal should be to groom people to replace you, to be able to show people how to do what it is that you're doing. Why? Because if you can groom enough people to do what it is that you do, you can elevate and then they can move up and you move to a new level and then they move to a new level. Hopefully there's someone grooming you so you can replace them, right? See, the problem with uh, a lot of people in, in, in the corporate mindset is that I'm not training somebody to take my job. The reality is that's exactly what you want to do because you want to move up to the next person's job. See, so the person above you should really be grooming you. And if the person above you is not grooming you, then you should be grooming yourself to take that person's job. And if that person and see this, this is how it works. Check this out. If the person above you isn't grooming you to replace them so that they can move up. You groom yourself, you teach yourself that person's job so that when time comes for you to move up, this person hasn't done anything to elevate themselves. So they're less of an asset that you are because you're showing the, your employers your, your growth potential, right? So they'll elevate you to that person's position and then that person will be training you how to do his or her job so that you can replace them because that person didn't go about grooming you as well as learning from the person above him or her. See, that's how that's how karma works. That's what Zig Ziglar says. You can have whatever it is that you want, provided you help enough people get whatever it is that they want. Right. So. If you're grooming someone under you to rise up to your level, okay, and there's someone over you grooming you to rise up to their level, everybody's moving upward and onward, all right? So play your part, no matter what it is, no matter whether or not there's somebody above you grooming you to replace them so they can move up, don't worry about that. You groom the people that are under you so that you can move up. You become unfireable. You become the asset. And you teach them how to become unfireable. You teach them how to become an asset. And the, the, the life you have on your job will be fruitful, I assure you. So now I want to talk to you about becoming unhirable. Now there are two aspects to being unhirable. On the one hand, being unhirable means you just don't deserve to work. You may have all kinds of bad tendencies. Uh, you're late. You don't do the work. You goof off when you are there. You gossip. You create a toxic work environment. You're hitting on the girls or the guys or both, whatever. You know, you just, you, you're just not suited to work for whatever company you think you may want to work for, for whatever reason. There's, there's, there's that. But that's not the kind of unhirable I'm talking about. See, there's a select breed of human being that is unhirable. 
This is the entrepreneur. This is the person who is better equipped to create or improve a product or service to the extent that instead of someone telling him or her how much they're going to pay him or her to work for them, the entrepreneur is the person who will sit on the other side of the desk and tell the employer how much the employer is going to pay to have that entrepreneur's product or service. See, I discovered, I would say in 2012, I discovered that I was, or that rather I am, unhireable. See, I retired from law enforcement in 2011. And in 2012, a then friend of mine named Susan asked me if I'd be willing to join her admissions team at this new little business school she got hired at. And she was like, oh, you know, you do the motivational speaking. I think it'd be a great look. You can encourage people to come to school, get an education so they get a good job. And so I was like, okay, cool. It's extra money. I'm I'm all for extra money. It's a beautiful thing. Plus, I get out the house. You know, okay, cool. No problem. So I start working there. And basically, the environment was friendly. It was okay. But basically, what happened was this one company acquired, bought out, merged with, took over, whatever, a smaller company, fired everybody, right? And then hired new people. And my friend Susan was one of the new people that was hired, and she was hired to run admissions. Now... They gave us no training. Some people were already in this field already, so we could hit the ground running. Um, I did some signing people up in a karate school years ago, so I had a basic understanding of how to do the job, how to sell the school, basically. Um, But they gave us no real training on how to do it their way, to give it the way they wanted. And then they they wanted you to predict how many, you know, people you were going to have come in and then predict how many of those people are going to sign up and then predict how many of those people are going to actually stick around to actually start the class and then predict how many people are going to be able to finish. And then if you, after you pull these numbers out of your behind, if any of these numbers don't come true, they're going to hold you accountable as if you, you know, sworn a stack of Bibles that these were the numbers of people that were going to come in. In any case, Needless to say, we got some people in, we got, we, you know, we, we had a decent little team going, but our leads, the, the, the people who they gave us, the numbers they gave us to call were like worthless, all but worthless because one day, uh, I'm calling a group of people. The next day, somebody else in the office is calling the same group of people, right? So we're getting, we're just recycling the same leads and these people well, if they've already said no, now they're getting harassed and hounded by, by somebody on the team. Anyway, long story short, in the military, we have a saying, all crap rolls downhill. And so it works in, it, it works in the workplace as well. And so um, all crap started to roll downhill. The corporate offices went down to the regional offices. The regional office went down to the director of the school. The director of the school came down on my friend Susan. And my friend Susan had to pull us into the office and bring it down on us. And she was like, 
uh, we were sitting in the office and she said, listen, you know, the, the so-and-so company, they, they fired everybody as soon as they took over. And if we don't get our numbers up, they're going to fire us too. Each and every one of you could lose your job. Now, here's the beautiful thing about being retired already and, and just going after extra work, extra dollars. I don't really need you. <laughs> I don't really need this place. And, and I was so offended because they're giving us crap to work with and we can't tell them that they're giving us crap to work with, but they want us to, you know, make diamonds out of dog crap, you know, and, and I just went, to, I, I sat there in the middle of the office, you know, listen, um, I don't know about the rest of you, but pff, you, you ain't firing me, you do me a favor, I don't really, I listen, I could walk out this door right now and I'm still getting paid on the first of the month. I don't really need to be here. So I don't appreciate being threatened with being fired. Don't scare me. Give me some good, you know, and I did go back and apologize to my friend Susan because that wasn't the appropriate thing to say or the appropriate time to say it. But I wound up quitting that job maybe a couple weeks later because that job literally made me sick. All right. I was a cop for many years and never was I physically sick directly because of the job. I worked at this place for maybe two, two and a half months and I had to pass a kidney stone. This place was toxic. The environment was, some of the people were good. Some of the people were really, really nice. But the environment, the energy, the atmosphere was toxic. And I I said to my wife the day before I went back to work after passing that kidney stone, I said, you know what? I'm going to give this job a try. I'm going to give this job a solid shot for a year. But, but if at any point in time some real dumb BS come across across my path, I'm out. So she was like, okay, cool. That's, that's, That's fair. That sounds fair. So I go back to work the next day and I come to find out that the woman, young lady that I signed up, quit. She went home and let her parents talk her out of going. How do you, how does somebody's parents talk them out of going to school? You know, so at that point I went on my lunch. I called my wife. I said, I'm done. I quit. And she said, what do you mean you quit? And I was like, I, you know, explained everything to her. She said, but you said you, I said, and I also said, if there's some BS come across my path, I'm not putting up with it. She said, yeah, that's what you said. So yeah, it's not my fault that it came today. And I went to my friend Susan after lunch. I think that's why she's not my friend anymore, but oh well. You know, um, I said to her, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. She says, you're quitting? I said, yeah, I quit. She says, so you give me your two weeks notice? I'm saying, notice tomorrow I won't be here. (laughs) I ain't getting no two weeks notice. And the funny thing is the little plastic milk crate that, I brought my little pencil, cups of pencils and staplers and pictures and all this other stuff, you know, my, my little personal stationery, that same box that I brought all my stuff in with, I never took home. It just sat in the corner of my office. So that day that I quit, I was able to pack everything right back into that box the same way it was when I brought it in and I left and I never looked back. And over the years, and it's been what, that's seven years ago. And over the years, have I thought about, you know, getting a quote unquote job? Nah. The closest I ever came to getting another job since I retired was doing Uber. (laughs) And even then, 
I'm working on my own terms. Even then I'm working on my own terms. I wouldn't even let Uber try and tell me what to do. I mean, within the confines of following their procedures, which is not a problem, you know, but there were times I get used to little, used to get a little nasty grams. You're canceling too many rides or, you know, I'm like, Hey, or, or you're not taking any pool rides for, if you don't know what, I'm sure you know what a pool ride is. That's when you pick somebody up and you're taking them to their destination. And then while en route to the first destination, you might stop and pick somebody else up. So they're pooling. So you now you're carpooling, you're Uber pooling, if you will. Yeah, I never do that. I never did that. And so before I learned how to sidestep other calls coming in while I had one call in the car, one ride in the car, I would cancel rides. And I would get these little nasty grams from Uber saying you're canceling too many rides. And I would email them or text them back. Listen, my car is a car. It's not a bus. It's not a shuttle. I'm not really beat for this money. (laughs) I'm not that hell bent and beat for this money to where you just gonna, you know, milk every damn ounce of miles you could get out of me and my car. No, I'll pick one person up at a time and take them from point A to point B. See, when you're unhirable, when you're calling your own shots, it is easy and it is fun to tell somebody they can't tell you what to do. Oh, it's beautiful. It is wonderful. It is a beautifully wonderful feeling to be able to look at somebody and be like, you can't tell me what to do. And they really can't. That's a beautiful thing. But you got to work yourself to get to that point. So how do I do that, Mr. HRJR, motivational coach? How do I become unhirable? The same way you become unfireable, you have to make yourself an asset. You have to create or improve upon something that all, or if you want to improve upon something that already exists, sometimes you, you can reinvent the wheel. Okay. Um, and then sometimes you may just have to create a new wheel, a new method of transportation. Think about it. Uber is not a transportation company. Uber is a tech company that works in transportation. All right. Uber does not own one car to just drive people around from point A to point B, all right? But what Uber will do is Uber will help you finance a car, and then when you get in that car and you go driving around making rides, whatever that car note is, guess what? For that month, your first group of rides is going straight towards that car note. So in essence, if you let Uber finance a car for you, Uber now owns you and that car because if you don't drive, you don't make money to pay that car note, Uber will take the car. You can't do Uber no more and they'll jack up your credit. So in essence, you become an employee of Uber. Mm, Think about it, right? I I would never do that. I could have easily went with them and upgraded my car, what have you, traded it in and got, nah, that's all right. Me and my Malibu. And then later on, me and my Chrysler 300 will be just fine, just the way we are. And we were. <laughs> so I say to you, as I begin to wrap up this podcast, learn how to become an asset. That's the most important lesson I want you to get out of this. I share my life experiences with you because I believe we all come from the same genetic stuff. We all 
have shared experiences. We just experience them in minor different ways. Okay. So I say to you, read, educate yourself, become an asset, become unfireable, become unfireable to the point where you outgrow your job. And when you outgrow your job, when you feel you can do what these people are paying you to do, you could do for yourself and take the people who are paying them with you. Okay? That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Become unfireable. Become unhirable. Become your own person. Become the, the, the captain of your destiny, if you will. I'm going to wrap up right now, remind you that Find a Way to Make a Way, The Difference of a Decade is now available. You can grab your copy on go by going to my website, www.coachhrjr.com. Click on the HRJR shop link and payments are accepted via Cash App, Zelle, Venmo, and PayPal. All right. Take, excuse me, take care of yourselves. Have yourselves a great week. I'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ice Talks, where we implement change every day.